this is based on a true story. Happened to me last week. You know, I went to uh, went to the hospital routine checkup, and they took all of my blood out. All of it? That's the story. Like they they took all of it out. <laughs> they took all of it out. So the first question, I noticed that you've obviously uninstalled your language pack or or changed it in some way because you're back to urban youth. Yeah, I know. Your disappointment to everyone. Can you can you still speak Spanish or have you forgotten that? I've forgotten all of it. Just straight out the window. Any any other languages that you've picked up or installed in the interim or I've I've picked up French. Oh. Uh huh. Sweet. Say something in French. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode eleven. It's spooky or something. Because it's Halloween or it's gonna be Halloween. It's gonna be Halloween tomorrow. Right. Uh, yeah. Day after tomorrow, um, well, it's the... going to be Halloween tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it will be. It will be <laughs> well, Halloween tomorrow. That's it. You're out of the group. So I feel that's only fair at this point. <laughs> so we're just going to be talking about spooky stuff. It doesn't have to be anything relevant to modern day. It could be some game you played when you were eight and you peed yourself and everybody laughed at you. I like the, I like the sound of that. Yeah, which should I mean, be easy. For Jared I like especially. the sound of what you described, but I like the sound of, <laughs> of of this podcast. That sounds like the cut of my of my jib. Um, your jib. Did we? Did we, was there any news while I was away? Because I I've been gone. I don't know. I've been mentally gone, so I don't I don't even know. What about that flex thing you linked? Oh yeah, I actually. Well, that's interesting to me. I don't know if that's interesting to anybody else. I don't I don't even know what it is. What is it? Uh, so NVIDIA's, um, physics, uh, engine, their physics engine, physics, their physics engine, <laughs> it's not very unified right now. So for instance, fluids don't really interact with regular, like rigid body stuff and cloth and things like that. So next year, I guess they're launching, um, something called, uh, flex, which is just a unified physics engine for, that just allows the interplay with everything. So for their tech demo, they had like um, that cloth that had fluid, you know, bouncing through it. And they also made like water balloons that realistically broke and would spurt water. And huh. uh, so that's something to look forward to. Although I would guess that at that point, we're probably looking at like NVIDIA Titan or something for the video card that you'd need. And that's uh, that's next year that they think that's going to be coming around? Yeah, I think that'll be pretty useful and maybe closer to getting fluid physics in actual games instead of just tech demos. So what you're saying is now is the time for me to make my my fluid-based game that I've been working on. Well, now is the time to start planning your fluid-based game and then <laughs> when Flex comes out, you'll be all ready and you'll be ahead of the game. Okay. I already have my fluid-based game, though. <laughs> Were you going to stab hookers and blood spurts out of them realistically? Wrong. Oh, oh, I guess, yeah, you've got a blood game that you could play. I got that blood game. I pitched you one. I pitched you this water. No, I didn't pitch you one. I asked <laughs> a lot about uh, about water physics. Yeah. I had a great little little story for this game. So uh, so my, fan, my fantasy little water-based game here, uh, what would happen is you play as a teenage girl, right? Small town, whatever. Shut up. And then you use your powers, right? In unique and special ways to kind of like 
solve puzzles and <coughs> slaughter all the townsfolk. <laughs> Wait, to to do what to the townsfolk? I missed that. Slaughter all the townsfolk. Oh, I thought you said slather. No, like. slaughter them. <laughs> but see, the thing is, that's the beauty of the physics engine. You could just like we could have like a mayonnaise jar, and you could actually slather the mayonnaise on things. That was that was my idea. It was a mayonnaise based game, and it takes place in a brothel. Right. <laughs> and it's it's actually just based on my normal weekends. No. 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 Okay. No. Yeah, I think yours is good. I think I think we should. Uh, I think we should definitely work on that one. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll pursue it then. Invite we'll me to a, invite me to a Google Doc for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is it'll make uh, those games where you jump into a bathtub and slap a girl's tits all the more realistic. Ooh, that's a callback right there. Yeah. <laughs> for you, for you longtime <laughs> listeners. <laughs> longtime listeners, been listening for episode five, a couple weeks. Is that really where it's from? Like, do you actually know that? Yes, I do, actually. Oh. It's very strange. It's very strange. Okay, yeah. Michael is our resident right, well, uh, expert the on the Enemy Slime podcast. Okay, it's only because I have a really... I'm a total nerd, and while I'm on stakeouts, I listen to the podcast. Like your own podcast you'll listen yeah, to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. someone somewhere, that's like the most arrogant thing you can say. <laughs> yeah, I'm just on a stakeout listening to myself <laughs> talk <laughs> to pass the time. Well, it's nice. It's nice hearing it in its final form. Like by tomorrow, I will forget everything that I have said. <laughs> so and you know, you know, a game can actually really benefit from this engine that already exists. No, what droplets? What the? What's that? I don't. Oh, is that, that that D R O P L I T Z droplets? Yes. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. Basically, a simple puzzle game where you got to turn around these pipes and get the water droplets from point A to point B. Yeah. Oh, hey, there's also World of Goo. Ooh, yeah, sort of goo can benefit. Yeah, is this is this a liquid only engine or is there is goo in as well? Like slime. You know what else? You know what else can benefit? What Legacy of Cain too? Soul Reaver, where where you kill people and you drain out all of their blood. <laughs> you have oh, to yeah. make sure not to spill anything. Man, this you're is... like licking the last particles off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> that's realistic. <laughs> now that's spooky. I'll have to go watch some videos for this. It sounds interesting. It's hard to it's hard to talk about it seriously. Like it's hard to talk about liquid physics. Yeah. On a serious level, but I'm sure that there's like a tech demo I'm gonna see that's just gonna uh, blow me away with it. There'll probably be like some fish that swim away from a person. And... <laughs> no, it's, it's much more impressive than than fish AI. I would say. Some, I've just, I'm more just... impressive than fish. I don't believe that. That's I'm impossible. just saying. I've the bar has been set pretty high. Before the PlayStation Four, there were no fish AI. They invented it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's what the the cell processor was for, and that's why they had to decommission it because it <laughs> they have one it, core uh, just for fish. Wasn't powerful enough, so they had to go back to x86 to, to maximize their their fish uh, AI processing. <laughs> I, re- I read it all. You can you can read it on the internet. Just Google it. Yeah, we'll okay. probably do a write up about actually. Uh, I yeah. could probably do a write up about that because it's interesting to me. I actually was interested in this thing because I remember drilling your brain about why we couldn't do a realistic looking liquid physics in the past. Yeah. So yeah, it's all I about mean, that I, GPU I look... power, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, do you think it's something that is—is is, is this a technology that'll be PC exclusive, or do you think it's something they're going to be able to implement on 
Like, is it is it a hardware upgrade, like like cell shader 3.0 or whatever? Um, this you is, know when you used to buy a card for that kind of stuff. This is something you, and again, I'm just speculating, of course, but this is something you won't be able to experience on like your PS4, Xbox One, etc., um, because. Uh, physics to begin with is an nvidia only thing and i believe if i remember correctly i think at least the playstation 3 has like an amd chip in it or something uh, regardless you're going to need an uh, nvidia hardware to accelerate that yeah and if i recall correctly uh nvidia was outbid for both of the new consoles yeah. so so definitely not going to see that then but it'll still be cool for whatever pc games it gets used in because I, I remember like a cranky press release from their their CEO saying like, oh, we, would, we wouldn't have wanted to do it anyway. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need all that damn money. <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> Watch your dirty money anyway. <laughs> I will definitely have an opportunity to comment on Fish AI uh, because now that uh, Watch Dogs has been delayed, uh, Call of Duty Ghosts will be my uh, my starting PlayStation Four title, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to you guys. I know you're gonna love it, just like well, I, I mean, love just, it. Just 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 remember that the greatest thing you could do for your country isn't dedicating yourself; it's dedicating your sons. Is that a thing in Call of Duty? You didn't see the commercial? No, <laughs> I. The very patriotic, very kind of jingoistic America. Fuck yeah! I'm trying to keep my. It's kind of dark. I'm trying to keep my uh, my my sights, you know, off of it because I don't want to I don't want to veer into spoiler territory. Like, okay, I, I don't right, want to I don't want to know if the dog dies or yeah, that was a major spoiler too. So I'm, I apologize for that. I guess my sons die. I guess I don't really. <laughs> well, are, but, are there ghosts there, in it? But, yes. Is it survival horror? Yeah. Call exactly. Duty ghosts. What it is? That's why they call it ghosts. Duh. The sub- subtitle used to be Call of Duty Spook Alley. <laughs> that has a racial connotation to it as well. And I don't like yes, that. Yes, yeah, I've been worried about that all week. Like, I'm really comfortable with all this spooky going around. I think, I think we drove through sp- Take, take that out. Don't let that. <laughs> okay. Horrible. Uh, we're gonna get booted off iTunes for that one. Shabam. <laughs> so Jay, you probably like horror games more than all of us, and you especially like horror games more than me and Jared. What did? And you think that we're wimps? Which you're. You're right. But what makes a game scary to you? What makes it so that you're like, mm, I want to turn this off? Uh, I think atmosphere is kind of the easiest way to really get to me. Uh, I don't really go for the jump scares or I think it could be like any type of environment. You can give me a blood and gut cover mental asylum like Outlast does, or you can give me like a children's playroom with nothing in it. And it's like blue and there are rainbows everywhere. But I think as long as the atmosphere is set up, you know, well enough, then you can really kind of get into my head. And I think... I think this is the thing about uh, Machine for Pigs that didn't really mess me up too much. It's like they didn't do – everyone claimed that there was a lot of atmosphere going on, but there really wasn't. They didn't, didn't do any kind of atmosphere at work. I kind of woke up in a room, and yeah, my bed has a cage over it, which is a little weird. I start exploring the house, and uh, 
you know, I can go basically anywhere in this house. The house looks pretty normal. There's nothing super out of the ordinary. And I see these two kind of like ghost kids run by me. And it doesn't really bug me out because it's kind of a trope that you're used to in playing the horror series. So it's like, you know, okay, this is a little boring. There's something too creepy going on here. Um, I'm just kind of running through a big mansion. Oh, look, the mansion has a couple of secrets, but nothing really to freak me out too much. And it didn't do a whole lot of good kind of setting up the atmosphere. I think Outlast, on the other hand, Outlast just kind of drops me into this situation. I know I'm supposed to break into the the mental asylum, so I get into the asylum. Everything looks relatively okay, but then I walk into this first room, and it's pitch black. And I'm like, okay, I have to use the light for my camera in order to get past this. So I hit my camera, go into night vision mode, and I'm just crawling through these super tight corridors, and I see nothing kind of but bodies and, uh, and arms and all this kind of stuff you know, that really kind of like starts to get to me. And then I see this one corpse that's just hanging there. And it turns out the guy is still alive. He's just still bleeding out. And he warns me to get the fuck out of there. And then he dies. And then nothing happens for another good 30 minutes of the game. But that already has like my blood pressure so ramped up. I'm like jumping at every corner. You know, the main character helps a lot because he's like whimpering and crying and and reacting like he would to a typically scary situations so uh that that was a good job i think of kind of setting up atmosphere and i could say honestly all the games that really kind of freaked me out or scared me uh did a really great job of setting up the atmosphere and maybe maybe michael you can pitch up pitch in on this one because uh silent hill 2 yeah i was actually just gonna say like i have a very fond memory of just descending down that fog-covered trail exactly. at the beginning of the game. Nothing happens, but I am scared the entire time. And it's like probably a good... How long would you say it takes to get down that path? Like five minutes? Yeah, something like five minutes. And I think and I think you hear all these noises kind of coming from the forest behind you, and you can't see. Yeah. You like, know exactly what to expect, but it never happens. That's that's almost scarier than having something happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think, I think, I think that was uh, a big deal and kind of setting up the tone of Silent Hill. And... um. Not in all my spooky picks, because Alan Wake isn't really that atmospheric, but Alan Wake isn't a kind of game that needs to set up atmosphere. But uh, Lone Survivor is another game where it's first you're given like a really kind of messed up, disjointed, lucid dream type opening where you're just talking to random people and then you wake up one day and you've just kind of survived this hot, this um, apocalypse. And you're in, a, in your apartment, you're alone, the food is rotting, all that kind of stuff. And you start exploring the apartment complex. You know, I, I, I had, it's been a while since I played, so I don't know if you run into a monster right away. But what you do do is you get into the apartment next to yours. Are you really still <laughs> laughing, Ned? However the fuck old you are, when someone says doo-doo. Yes. Well, we need, to, we need to break the tension. This is a very frightening podcast. so That's what it is. <laughs> so, so, so what happens in Lone Survivor is you get into the you get into the next apartment right next to yours, and there's a party going on, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's the end of the world. Let's like celebrate and let's kind of chill out and all that kind of stuff." And your ex girlfriend is there, and you're having an argument with her, and then you like kind of snap back to reality, and you realize that all these party guests are dead. Each and every one of them is kind of like a decayed corpse. Your girlfriend was never there. And it really kind of like freaks you out. And you're like, oh, what the fuck just happened? Like, I hallucinated that whole thing. So I think it's the games like that. The games that just kind of, uh, you know, set up the atmosphere and what to expect as you play the game. I'm, I would say that the best survival or just best horror games in general are the ones that make you use your own imagination to scare yourself. That's what I was going to say, though, is that like, that's oh, what God. scares me more than atmosphere is... 
the example I always give when I played Amnesia, like the good Amnesia, not Machine for Pigs, <laughs> is, um, you know, when, when I stopped playing the game and I never went back to it, it was because I heard something like rattling around and like chasing me and I ran into this room that only had one door in or out and there was like a closet in there and there's nothing else but then as soon as i ran into that room i just hear all this like rumbling and i hear the door like banging and i'm like uh well i'm not going through back through the door right i'm i'm horrified of the unknown so i just opened the closet and walked inside and i saved the game and i never played it again <laughs> but see see even then that it sounds like that game is drawing work to kind of set you up for that it's like what i hated like everyone claimed a machine for pigs sets you up for that kind of stuff. Like, oh, the biggest scare is the one that you kind of give yourself. But machine for pigs didn't do like any of that kind of work. It like had one kind of trick and it relied on that like the next several times to kind of scare you. And by the time you were halfway through the game, you realized something scary was going to happen. And, um, you know, to get, you kept kind of going as it was. It sounds like in Amnesia, at least, it gave you something to play with something for your mind to play with so let me ask let me ask you a question then because i i kind of see um i kind of see horror in general falling into kind of two one of two categories there's like there's like creative kind of clever horror where there's an atmosphere that builds up and it's not necessarily you know it's not even really the material that's scaring you so much as it's assisting you in kind of scaring yourself like what you're talking about and then the opposite of this with horror which i, I still think it's effective but just in a different way is jump scares basically um like uh so so let me first ask do, do jump scares even work for you anymore like if I, if I gave you a game that's just non-stop jump scares would it if if doom 3 Do, doom 3 is basically like a, a haunted house uh that you just walk through and there's always something around every corner uh, i don't know if you guys have ever turned on no clip in in doom 3 uh, but if you do, you can, you know, clip through the walls and float around the level and you can literally go find the monsters just standing right around the corner outside of vision waiting for you to walk into uh, <laughs> the hallway so that they can jump out yeah. and scare you. Yeah, And they they spawn behind you as well. So, like, you can actually check a dark corner beforehand. And then once you walk past it, they actually spawn in that dark corner just to come out behind you. So that's my, I guess that's my question is like, do you even find that effective anymore? Or? I think it depends on the kind of game it is, honestly. It's like, you know, because I would also say Outlast and I would say uh, Dead Space or other games that rely on uh, jump scares. And yeah. I think those games did have some genuinely uh, scary moments because, again, it's the same. It's like, I'll make the same argument for them. It's this thing, it's this idea of setting up atmospheres. Like, once you hook me in with that atmospheric setup, and you can pull me along for anything. So whether it's going to be those jump scares or whether it's going to be playing tricks on your mind, you know, and having you kind of anticipate what's around the corner. Um, I think you still need that setup. I think, you know, I think I think Dead Space is one of those games that does some really cool things to kind of make you squirm and kind of keep that fear up, you know, like children's songs and the needle going into your eye and all that kind of stuff. That's like that's like some kind of fucked up shit. And I'm like, oh, man, that's really making me a little uncomfortable. I think I think what happens is if you if you're something like Resident Evil and you start to rely only on jump scares, then that's kind of when you lose me. And, I, you know, it's like every up until they change their formula, uh, every Resident Evil game I, I bought, I was like, they'll do another jump scare. I'm like, oh, well, there we go. And it just wasn't effective at all. You know, sometimes jump scares work on me even when it's not a horror game. There have been a couple of times I've been playing games like uh, Skyrim, for example. If I'm if I'm sneaking around trying to be quiet, 
and I walk through a door and then like, you know, the scene loads and there's a person at the other side of the door who initiates a conversation. More than once I've shrieked and thrown the controller away. <laughs> well, and that's, I, I, you know, um, Skyrim's actually a really good example of that because I'll tell you, uh, I remember it more in Oblivion happening to me, but you know, you're yeah, actually, I think kind it was of Oblivion. when you're, when you're walking around and all of a sudden you hear the battle music. And so, you know, that like someone's attacking you, but you don't know who or where, and you're frantically like looking around trying to figure out why you hear that music. And then without fail, it's always like behind me, mountain lion, you know, just boom. <laughs> and, and that first hit where, where that, that first time they smack you and you realize they're right behind you, that that's a pretty good uh, jump scare right well, there. Is it, is it yeah. bad that a lot of the times I'm too scared to go down into the dungeons? <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's how bad I am at horror game. Take like a non-horror in- game like Skyrim or whatever. If I go down to the dungeon with all those, I don't know how you pronounce it, like Draugr, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. With all those things, uh, I don't, I'm not going to last very long. I mean, I think I think you're making a good point because I think um, even some of the other games that weren't hard games, uh, like Tomb Raider and um, and Last of Us, it's like if you knew there was a stronger enemy kind of around the corner waiting to kill you and you don't see it coming up on you, and you turn around and whoa, there it is, then it's like yeah, that'll make you that'll make you jump a little. Last of Us has some pretty good like it, it doesn't it's not horror but it kind of feels like it. Uh, especially early on when you don't have a lot of equipment, like towards the end of the game, it's like, Oh no monster. I'll use my rocket launcher. Um, <laughs> but, but early on in the game, when you've just got like a couple shivs and, and, uh, six bullets, uh, it's, it's definitely some, some pretty effective horror. Uh, I also remember there's a part in the last of us where you, I guess none of you have probably gotten far enough for this, but you get dropped down into a dark area and you have to flip a switch to turn on a generator. But the problem is the generator attracts yeah. all the monsters in the area. <laughs> of course. Once, once you flip it on. And I, I remember that being pretty unsettling. Like that would definitely bar my next playthrough if I wanted to ever go back and do it again. I guess, um, unless we had a topic change, I think, I think this idea of atmosphere is really important to me as well, because I think, you know, until you started seeing games like the last of us where, or Alan Wake or Tomb Raider, where they were, horror without really trying to be uh fit into the survival horror genre i feel like uh the big developers have really been sucking a lot at horror yeah and i think you know those indie developers you know i think slender was something that actually scared a lot of people and if you look at the graphics the graphics are like you know nothing impressive um but it's a it's a really kind of frightening experience the first time you play it additional playthroughs not so much but the first time you're kind of like wow this is kind of intense i hope this shit doesn't kind of pop out at me Another one last year that was a little bit of a disappointment. It was called Home, and this was oh. another 2D game. I was yeah. going to ask if you played that one because I, I have it on the iPad and I haven't uh, haven't done much with it yet. But it, it, it looked right it looked now. really similar to that other game that you had recommended. To Lone Survivor, it's Lone Survivor and Home are very different. If you intend to play Home, I'm not going to spoil it, but um, but it's a, that's another that's another thing kind of with atmosphere messing you up more than the game does. But I think Lone Survivor just in terms of taking a 2D game and making something that at some points is kind of downright scary. They, like they use a lot of the old tricks that uh, the original Silent Hill games used and they're really good. This guy, uh, Jasper Byrne, I think is his name, uh, did a really good job of putting this experience together. Well, so, as you and I were talking about yesterday, uh, a 2D game that's scary, the original Clock Tower on the SNES was scared the bejesus out of me. I mean, I yeah. look back at it now when the graphics aren't that great, but still, it's just it's the atmosphere that makes it frightening. The concept Clock Tower kind of has that, you know, always being chased 
yeah. uh, element to it that works really well. Like even um, I was scared long before that. Even it's it's kind of stupid, but uh, Resident Evil Three Nemesis is is one of my favorite Resident Evils just because of the Nemesis and and just having to run from that dude and like nothing kills him. And those are actually some of the more stressful parts of Dead Space too. Is every time you play a Dead Space game. Uh, there's a regenerating enemy who, you know, you can shoot him and knock him down, but he's just going to get back up until you get to a certain point in the level or trap him in a device or something like that. Well, in, well, Resident, was, Evil, was, in Resident Evil 4, favorite. that was the regenerator, which creeped me the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing in Resident Evil 4. One of my spooky picks, Siren, the uh, the main pro, or the main enemies are the Shibito. They're, they're not like zombies. They're more intelligent, but they are, you know, the Walking Dead. So they're basically zombies. But you can't kill them no matter what you do. Like, you can shoot them. You can beat them into submission. But after, like, you know, 30 seconds, they'll get back up and start coming after you again. So, you know what that reminds me of? But go ahead. I want you to finish. (laughs) I was going to say, like, or every level is a different scene. But so, you know, you're never you're never safe wherever you go. And that's that is pretty frightening. I I think that definitely reminds me of uh, Silent Hill, the room. Yes. You know, that, I think I think I think Silent Hill Room is might hands down be my favorite Silent Hill game. And it gets I, I know I, it gets a lot of flack. I think I think it's like and I think it's kind of at that weird spot just before, you know, just before the, everyone considered the Silent Hill series is getting bad. I don't I don't particularly think it ever really got bad until downpour. But, um, you know, it's kind of in this weird spot between the classic Silent Hills and the new mm-hmm. bad, you know, Western Silent Hills. Um, but Room I think I think the I think the thing with the room was during the first half of the game it was very safe. Your apartment yeah. was nice and clean and very safe, and there were healing items everywhere. Uh, you know, you would go through uh, the levels, and then you would deal with some of these monsters, but they weren't a big problem. And then you you know one of your friends would like horrifically die at the end of the level, and that was like the first half of the game. But once you got to the second half of the game, everything was like super fucked up. Um, <laughs> You know, your apartment, the big thing of the game was uh, hauntings. So in Silent Hill proper, when you were traversing the, the, the world, basically every monster, save for like one or two, was a ghost. You know, in your, in your apartment, reflecting your actions in the real world or like time kind of spent away from the apartment, it would allow hauntings to kind of occur in your apartment. And the earlier hauntings are really easy to deal with. Just burn a candle and they're gone. But the hauntings in your apartment increase as, you know, the second half of the game goes on. They're harder to deal with. You kind of have to pick and choose which hauntings you're going to take care of. And what they do is they damage you when you get near them. So if you have like a haunting near your item box or near your refrigerator where you keep your healing items, it's really inconvenient. So it starts to make your apartment very unsafe. But then in the in Silent Hill proper, when you start going back, you have two problems now in the real world. First, you have the ghost of your friends that you also die, which are like these super ghosts. Uh, they will chase you throughout the fucking level and try to kill you. And each of them has kind of like a unique power and you can never kill them. You could put them down after like a massive amount of hits. And then your other problem is this guy named Walter, who's basically just a straight up serial killer armed with two pistols chasing you through every level. Um, and it was like, once I got to the second half of the game, it was like one of the most intense horror games I'd ever played. I don't think Silent Hill 4 is my favorite Silent Hill, but it was hands down the scariest. What um so if I want to play a Silent Hill game because I haven't I have never played one past uh, the first Silent Hill just the original if I wanted to play one now uh, you know that I can obtain reasonably what should I play I, I would not... still recommend Silent Hill two I think it's the best all around Silent Hill now if I know the twist in two should I still play it 
yes, you should still play it. It's yeah, still it's play. still it's still very well made. Okay. Yeah. And I I think, you know, but that said, Silent Hill is built, you know, there's a very, very loose connection between the games. But, you know, it's not it's not one of those series where you have to know the events of one game in order to get the other. There's really only because um, they all they all kind of start the same way, which is like, oh, a, a creepy town, right? Yeah, and there's really well, only to play three. You should have played one, but aside from that, yeah, really... that's that's what I was going to say. There's only really two or three games that are linked. I would say like Silent Hill Origins is kind of linked to one and three, but that's still its own kind of standalone three. Wasn't thing, wasn't think... there a remake of one? Uh, there's a remake of one called Shattered Memories. It's it's like reimagining, and I think that's another really good Silent Hill. Like I said, like I, there's 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 opinion going out there that you know and it's a popular opinion that the second half of the series. It just isn't good. That's made by these Western developers, and it's lost all of its original charm. And I very much disagree with that. I think I found something to like in all the Silent Hill games, except for Downpour. You know, even Homecoming, I liked, uh, which is one of the more recent ones. But uh, but Shattered Memories is a reimagining. It it like it tells the story in an entirely different way. It's for the Wii, and I think it does a couple of things that really interested me at the time. The first thing is. Uh, you know, in in Silent Hills has something called what is it? Other world or other side? I think other side it's, is what it's called. Shit, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so other so we'll, we'll call it other side for this podcast. And if you want to send your hate mail to correct us, that's perfectly acceptable. But in other side, what happens is you get this hellish version of Silent Hill, and it usually reflects the psyche of the protagonist so you know what happens in other side is typically there are more monsters everything's darker so the other side in shattered memories uh is a completely frozen world and it's just one long ass chase sequence like the clock tower games or outlast and uh you know you have these again unkillable monsters following you and you can hide but it's not as useful as it is in other chase games uh so you're better off just running and figuring out how the fuck to get out of there and it's always kind of randomized so you never quite know what the route is as you try and get out you know what there's not enough horror games that are based around like dinosaurs dinosaurs scare the shit out of me especially in this one old game i had it wasn't even a game i think it was just it was like some cd-rom game called 3d dinosaur adventure or something well now there was a dino crisis yeah that's right oh yeah an idea is so outlandish i can't believe anyone thought it should be made (laughs) Oh my god, I forgot. They were in space, weren't they? That was like the second one. Or was that Dino Crisis 2? Yeah, because once you have dinosaurs, where else can you take them? Where else can you take the dinosaurs with space? (laughs) Oh man. You can take them into the past. I completely forgot about this series. It's fucking Shinji Mikami directed it. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Shinji Mikami game. Wasn't Dino Crisis essentially just like Resident Evil with dinosaurs? Yeah, well, and that's, yeah. that's where Shinji comes from, is, is he made Resident Evil. This was just around the time when Resident Evil was, like, the biggest thing in the world, so he probably could have come up with something like, it's like, oh, the trees are killing people, and they would have given him a billion dollars to make it. Yeah, I think in Dino Crisis 2, they were in space. I'm just wondering, where do you go after space? Was the first one in space? I think it could have been i'm looking at the plot and it keeps mentioning a ship but it doesn't mention if it's a spaceship or like a a boat oh they're traveling through a time gate oh so um i guess it's maybe time that we listen to our just very short i'm just calling it an audio short because it is very short if nothing else yes it's just something i worked on because uh you know 
in the spirit of the podcast and I put so much work into the podcast as it is, I figured why not spend, you know, another 10 hours on it doing something completely stupid. Yeah, let's do it. Without further ado, this is The Den of Slime. It is a three-minute short. I like it. Enjoy, gentlemen. I was told I shouldn't be down here, but I cannot resist. The mysteries are too enticing. I was told the spirits would do their damnness to keep me from this place. I must continue, though. There's the door. All right, where was the key? Where was it? I could ever wander in here. Wait a minute. Trespasser, what lies down this hallway is a treasure trove filled with what you've always wanted deep down in your heart. You'll get what's coming to you and more. Some sort of wooden box. Wonder what's inside. I bet it's something amazing in every good game ever made. Just for me. No, no, no. Where is Andy? Cried to hell, no, no. Same reason I want all of you. The hell? The fuck is wrong with the voice acting? Ghost pigs, fuck. I don't want this shit. Oh shit, who the fuck are you? Do you know what you've done? You've awoken the spirits of the digitally damned. No, I, I didn't do anything. It was You were warned that you would get what you deserve. It was Jay's fault. You chose to ignore that warning. And now your soul belongs to us. I am the shepherd of the dead. All the people who played Mirror Moon, Mirror Moon? and wasted hours of their lives Fuck that game. on a game that doesn't have any gameplay. No, no, don't make me play Mirror Moon. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, that's an that is an unfortunate fate. I, I did very much appreciate. It. I'm going to cast you in my next film. <laughs> that I, I liked that. That was fucking great. That's good. Do do like so? I have to. <laughs> I have to veer off here a bit, not veer off, but I have to complain oh so slightly because we've collected here and we've sat and talked about horror games and you guys have been all like, oh, atmosphere, atmosphere. And oh, you got to, you got to, you know, make your own scares. And and (laughs) I suggested two games in my list that are nothing but atmosphere. And everybody calls me a big girly wimp. 
Well, what were your three games again? I picked Kentucky Route Zero, which I would never defend as as being a horror game. Right. But there's a lot of stuff in it that's that's unsettling. Like everywhere you go seems to be abandoned, and um, the soundtrack is it really just goes a long way to to kind of hammering home this this like sense of isolation and. Um, every, the lo-fi graphics help. There's a number of times where you're asked to walk into like uh, an abandoned building or a mine shaft, and you, the whole time you're waiting for something to like jump out and and do something to you. And um, it doesn't really work out that way because it's not really that kind of game. But it works really well to just kind of have that mood and just be a little unsettling, like just be a little creepy. I think Jay owns the game. I don't know if you ever bothered to actually play it. I got as far as naming my dog. Okay, so you were right there. <laughs> That's pretty much the scariest part is where you name your dog. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then the other one that I think has a really good atmosphere to it is uh, Year Walk for, for iOS, which again, I know isn't really a platform where you think of playing horror games. But Year Walk is uh, it's steeped in like northern European mysticism. So there's a lot of I don't know. I think it's it probably takes place in like Sweden or something like that. But you you basically traverse this empty, barren, uh, wintry forest and and meet these like horrifying creatures that are, you know, torn apart and bleeding everywhere. And but that game's kind of the same deal where like there's a couple jump scares and things like that. But for the most part, you're just walking through this empty forest with no music and just like the sound of your boots crunching in the ground and uh it's really unsettling while you go around trying to solve puzzles uh especially because you do occasionally get these like tastes of of scary things jumping out at you so what i'm saying is fuck you guys yeah um, (laughs) if if it makes you feel any better your story just lulled me to sleep as far as spooky games, I think I picked games that Jay would have found pleasing, except for the third game, of course, which I think is going to just kind of be my my very. It's just a, a pick that I did just to be an asshole. I was going to say, so what did you what did you pick? I think I looked at it, but I don't remember what I saw. The first game I picked was Amnesia, and I even went over the little story I just told you guys about why I quit playing, and I go over that in the article. And I say, you know, it's, I always tell people it's one of the best games that I never really played because it's enjoyable and it sort of did its job and that it spooked me. <laughs> so I didn't I, go back and play it. I was going to say, it. It, it did what it set out to do, which is make right. you not want to play it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And um, another spooky game that doesn't always necessarily get billed as a horror game is System Shock 2, which I put in there as well. Uh, that's scary for its own reasons, even though the graphics are horrible by today's standards, it still manages to be really creepy. You know, you got all the like screaming hybrids who are these like nasty techno zombies who carry shotguns. And then, uh, you've got these weird, like psychic monkey aliens that shoot rockets like out of the darkness. And, uh, then there are the droids who seem to be like servant droids, but they're out to kill you, but it sounds like they're trying to help you. So you'll just like be wandering around in the dark and all of a sudden you'll hear, how may I assist you? And if you've already encountered them, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but if you haven't before, you're like, oh, what's that? And you go to track it down. And it's like, how can I help you if you run? And you're like, oh, here I am. <laughs> and then he like runs at you and violently explodes and you die. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think I ever got that far. I I played a good chunk of System Shock too, but I don't remember. I don't remember helpful robots. Yeah, he's un- very unhelpful. Helpful. <laughs> so stuff like that is scary, especially because now from then on, whenever you hear that you know happy helpful voice, it's just eerie <laughs> knowing that he wants to kill you. And uh, then my third game doesn't even count, so I'm not even going to really mention it much. Oh, um, Grim Fandango. Yeah, I, I just think uh, it's a. I just think it's a good Halloween game, like well, Halloween in the sense of like a Disney Halloween. You know what I mean? No, like, let's 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 face it. I mean, that's the spookiest game on the list. <laughs> it has skeletons. It has more skeletons than any skeletons, other game. So, so it's so. by far the spookiest game on the list. At least, at least none of the I ones I picked are are funny. Let, Lone, Lone Survivor has no skeletons. Tell me this: Does does Kentucky Route Zero have skeletons? Uh, yeah, I think there is a skeleton uh, in the okay, mine so that you go into. That's pretty spooky. So, well, well, I was just going to say that I also get no credit for playing all the Dead Space games, <laughs> with the exception of three that I uh, I just started last week, actually, in the spirit of the season before I left for my vacation. I I tried out three. Um, yeah, you, took my, you took my little jab pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, because I just, you know, I feel like you live your whole life with this stereotype. and uh, Words hurt, man. Yeah, man. You do get credit. It's just because you can't play all those other games, you still end up with negative credit. I just can't. Uh, I just don't like uh, jump scares. I don't like being scared. What's so hard about that? <laughs> I like feeling safe. I like feeling safe. I like snacks. See, see, this is what I was going to tell you, though, about um, what games. So you should play home, first of all, if you like feeling safe. And you should play uh, Shattered Memories, because that's where I was going with that. Shattered Mem- Memories has some very safe sections if you can get past the frozen shit. I'll tell you, it maybe maybe Jason and I can like battle this out. But uh, if you want to talk like game that shouldn't have scared me at all, that did scare me. Fire I, I was much younger. No, fire, not not that sad. Do you guys remember Vagrant Story? Oh yes, I remember. Vagrant. Yeah, I could, see, I could see how they could scare you when you're a kid. It's just a little like I can see that. It's a little little scary. Like I, it, it doesn't scare me now. I'm sure I'm fine now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I'm probably okay. Well, when I was younger, uh-huh. I mean, just take your pick. I think Castlevania '64 scared me a little. <laughs> That's stupid as hell. It's just like a giant skeleton and skeletons on motorcycles or something. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what scared me when I was really young was Child's Play. My mom must have watched that when I was like seven or eight years old, and I was in the living room watching it with her. Did you ever see some like really shitty horror movie called? Evolver? Evolver, no. Please do share, though, because I love shitty horror movies. It it was like, I think it was from maybe 95 or something. It was kind of that cliche, something comes alive from the TV, and it was this robot, I guess, who was, I don't remember, it was so far back. It was either in like a TV show or he was part of a game. He's just like this little tiny robot. I think he must be maybe like a foot or two tall. After he comes to life, he starts playing in the real world like he would be playing the game. So he's like fucking gunning people down and like slicing their fingers off and shit. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I have one. All, do all of you know Pulse starring Kristen Bell, the remake of the Japanese movie Pulse? Oh, of course. No. Okay. What? No. <laughs> so, so, so it's great that you haven't heard of Pulse. Pulse, like I said, Pulse, it stars Kristen Bell. Um, actors from Veronica Mars and um, House of Lies, etc. Here's the best thing about about Pulse, right? So Pulse, give you the story really quick. Basically, ghosts are real, and they're using the internet to come to the real world. 
<laughs> so anywhere there's an electronic device, ghosts will eventually take over and kill all the human beings turning into ash. But here's the fantastic thing. Pulse not only got one sequel, it got two sequels. So there's a Pulse 3. Pulse 3 takes place in a post-apocalyptic future where all the ghosts have already taken over all the cities. So everyone kind of lives out in the middle of nowhere. And it stars a young girl who's on a quest to find her father who died in one of these ghosts a long time ago. Um, and so the first question you had to ask is why they felt the need to turn this thing into a trilogy, right? And the second question you had to ask is why they felt the need to shoot the third part entirely on green screen when i say like literally the entire movie is on green screen this little girl can be walking past a gas station or in a field and they could not be bothered finding like a real world field they had to shoot it all on green screen <laughs> yeah it's just bad I, like i've never i don't think i've ever seen a movie that was just shot like entirely on green screen like that for no reason for no reason other than to just you know save on a budget and not shoot in actual locations Oh, Jay, did you ever... I'm sure you did, but did you see the Evil Dead remake? And I missed it. Oh. I didn't see the Evil Dead remake right yet, huh. no. Was it any good? I, I heard it was kind of a turd. I, I liked it. I, I I mean, the funny thing is a lot of the negative reviews I saw were like, oh, look at all these, all this cheesiness, and it's like, well, that's kind of the thing with, <laughs> yeah, with Evil that, Dead. Yeah, that was original Evil Dead. <laughs> I think it was good. It's like really gory and creepy, and all the good parts from the original were remade either you know faithfully or i think better and i don't know i'd watch Sorry. it if i were you but i still get to see like a pencil in the ankle i just i just don't i just don't need to check that one out i actually did want to really check out the evil dead um I, and, I, and I do know the difference between a good and a bad horror movie okay i saw the nightmare yeah. on elm street remake i know <laughs> so well i mean the the one the one everyone has to check out that came out this year is the conjuring i think that's like the best horror movie I've seen kind of in the past 10 years since, since like the ring and the Dawn of the dead remake, I, I really enjoyed the conjuring without too many spoilers. It's, you know, one of those quote unquote based on a true story, you know, about demon hunters. But I think, I is think it, that one was really good. Is it like Fargo though, where it's based on a true story and it's just not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> those are, those are my favorites. Yeah. But I would highly recommend it. I think that's like the best star movie I've seen in recent memory. I've seen a ton of turds over the years. And I've seen a few that I've kind of liked or I've liked a lot. You know, like The Crazies. I like that one a lot. That one was actually pretty good. I mostly just watched that because it had Timothy Oliphant in it. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I actually don't generally have a problem with horror movies. Like they don't they don't bother me. It's the second that I'm in control, I I feel inadequate in some way. Horror movies are probably the only games where, or, or, or horror movies are probably the only games. <laughs> horror games are probably the only time in a game where bad controls can almost work in their favor. Like oh, si yeah. Silent Hole. Uh, silent Hole. <laughs> God damn it! Why can't I talk? Anyway, so Silent Hole. Um, <laughs> The the tank controls, the you you know tank controls. Yeah, um, Resident Evil. That really enhances it because like not only is horrible shit happening, but like you're you're stressed out and you're freaking out and it's very difficult to uh, to move and and aim and you know kind of solve the problem. Like the fact that those games controlled so poorly is almost to their advantage more than uh, more than not. You know, te yeah. technology is about to enhance horror games quite a bit especially with the Oculus Rift very near to release. I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be 
extremely horrifying just because now you'll actually feel like you're in the room and not just controlling somebody who's in the room. That's a that's a dark tomorrow that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> I'm sure that's a dark tomorrow uh, that Jay wants to be a part of. I was originally going to put uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors as my third spooky pick because it's just a fun game, but... I think anything that gets you in the mood for Halloween is is fair game for as far as exactly. the spooky picks. That's how, the way I thought of it. But then I decided that Deadly Premonition really needed some some exposure because nobody knows about that game. I actually, it's it's kind of got a weird reputation to it. People almost always recommend it just the way you did, where they recommend the game but with qualifications. Yeah. And in a way, that almost makes it more interesting. Like games that come to me like that uh, can can almost be uh you know more exciting by being like hey you know try this game out you're really gonna like it except for this really weird thing that happens halfway through it that ruins everything almost (laughs) that's why i can't recommend dexter to anybody anymore yep dexter is a perfect example of that (laughs) hey watch this great show that uh literally ends with chronic diarrhea it just shits itself to death it's just it dies of dysentery last thing you hear is right towards the end but see that's more intriguing like everybody wants to see a train wreck right like everybody wants to see a crash and so when you hear about something like that it it, uh it gets you excited i i have one for things that scared me that maybe shouldn't have the re-dead from zelda from from ocarina of time well i mean they jump on you and like straddle your mouth that's disgusting And, and they scream like they make this really freaky scream it's like just sounds like a woman screaming except it's weird because they're not women they're just shriveled up prunes with like oval mouths they're in wind waker too but they're they're in like the earth temple i think but they're like blue they're much less freaky they bother me a lot less nothing's really scary in wind waker because there are there are other things that are scary in ocarina of time such as the uh the spiders um, how about pretty much everything that happens in the graveyard? Especially, I think there's a guy in the graveyard. Uh, Dampe. Well, and then like, just like falling down the hole, you know, the and and then you meet like a scary guy, but he just wants to go for a race. He's like, let's race. Yeah. Which is what you do when you're a scary guy. Or if you're a scary guy, you might also be a, in a potion shop with like right. a, a, um, a water tank underneath the floor. That you ask people to dive down so they get a fish scale. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all going way over my head. <laughs> Did you not play Zelda? Not for very long, no. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> I don't know about this. Hey, did I tell you guys I saw Kenny Johnson at uh, at Disneyland today? No. He was <laughs> he that? was he was Lem- uh, Curtis Lemansky in The Shield. That's first spot or Oh, okay. That's from Michael, because I know that he saw that. He was uh, the U.S. Marshal that comes to find Hannah McKay at the end of Dexter, in the last season of Dexter. Mm. And uh, the blonde guy. And Jay, what's a black people show? He was not in... (laughs) The PJs. He was not in Barbershop 2. (laughs) Okay. But maybe we could play Six Degrees of Separation with Cedric the Entertainer. This is this is racist. Now let's talk about Batman because everybody's still here. <laughs> Actually, I really do want to hear about Batman. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing Batman not very much because I've just been so busy. I think I only got to have like two sittings, very short ones. But so has, I'm guessing probably everybody has played at least one of these new Batman games. Yeah, I played Asylum yeah. and City. Okay, yeah, just a little I, bit. Both. Okay, 
So it's pretty much the same thing as Arkham City in the sense that, you know, you have free reign over Gotham, uh, except it's a little bit better because it's not like this this weird war zone slash battlefield where uh, you can't turn a corner without getting your ass beat with a pipe. And uh, the thing is, I'm not sure where the origins part comes in. I mean, I understand that it takes place before the other two games, but origin would imply that this is like Batman's origin story. Right. I mean, I'm not. Is that is that strange to be expecting something like that? That sounds very well, unreasonable. I, I had always heard it portrayed as as, um, you know, this is this is like Batman when he's just new to being Batman. Like he's he's unexperienced and not very good at being Batman. But it sounds funny because the way that you've described this game a couple of times, is it sounds like he's just fine at being Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just as good at being Batman as I've ever been. You know how in Arkham City, you actually start out like dressed as Bruce Wayne, like you got the tuxedo on, you're in handcuffs and stuff like that. And you have to actually like beat your way out of the. Yeah. But no, they just like throw you right into the game and you're in the suit and the thugs in their conversation while you're like overhearing what they're talking about, they're always talking about the bat. And it's like, you know, everybody knows who you are. Uh, you've got most of the gadgets from Arkham City and the ones that you don't have, you quickly acquire. So it's like, I'm not seeing where the origins thing comes in. I think it's just a very marketable word like revelations or they could have just called it Batman exile. minus Joker because it's like it's just the Batman <laughs> games minus the Joker. Well, the Joker's in it, too. Or he will be. Yeah, I imagine point. he would be at, at, at some point later. But uh, it's at the beginning, you, uh, I guess the main guy to start with is Black Mask, right? Black Mask is his name? Yeah. 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 Okay. Someone's going to grill me eventually because I don't know a lot of the Batman stuff, aside from what I've seen in the movies. And most of the villains never make it to movies. So, yeah, you got Black Mask and Bane and... Um, the fucking crocodile dude, whatever. Oh, Croc Kit rock Killer Croc. Killer Croc. Sure. Not Croc-a-rock. And then they sort of make a big deal out of this one dude appearing, even though he's like a character select on the challenge mode, which they let you access really early. And then you come to him like an hour later and it's like, oh no, it's you, whatever his face is. He's got like... He's like half orange. Oh, that's that's Deathstroke. Right, Deathstroke. And he's a real fucking asshole to beat. I think I died at him like five times, and I'm I'm generally good at games. So I, I figured, well, something's wrong here because I should be winning, but he was beating my ass. But um, that took too long. And generally, I feel like this combat system is getting played out in the sense that maybe I'm just getting tired of it, but it's like so smooth and lovely. And makes things easy. It, it's so easy, but then, and the game is really intent on you getting long combos. So for the most part, as you know, you can go through like just 20 guys in one continuous combo and it, you're encouraged to do so because you usually get like bonus XP or whatever. And it just annoys me all the more that when I'm like doing extremely well, either I mess up or the game kind of fudges things a bit so that I get hit and it just ruins the whole flow and just makes me feel bad about the whole fight. I, I expect to either do perfect or come away from the fight angry and disappointed. <laughs> it could just be me. So I've I've always thought of it as relatively comparable to Assassin's Creed's combat because there's pretty much just counters and then striking, right? It's just more uh, more yeah. combo based. Yeah, it's it's the same it, it, system it, it, in the sounds, last games. It, 
it's, it's, well, it's a similar system because it feels like, you know, I could be talking out my ass, but it feels like Assassin's Creed really more depends on your weapon and how skilled you are with that weapon. And, you know, each weapon kind of feels different than Batman. It's really just kind of smooth and easy well, all the time. That actually brings up another point I was thinking of just now. The combat system in Assassin's Creed, obviously, there's no, like, combo meter or anything so you don't know if you're doing a combo or if if, even if there are combos the point of the assassin's creed combat system is uh for for me anyways to actually not do anything and wait until somebody attacks and then just kill them outright so there's so you always feel good about it as long as you're doing good but in batman i feel like i'm forced to make a decision because if i even stop attacking and wait for an attack to come at me so i can counter it i still lose the combo because you lose that combo and like three seconds if that so i'm, I'm just fe- always feeling pressured to keep attacking which then backfires because i'll be like almost finished with an attack and then some guy will like just start his attack and right before i can even hit the counter button he already punches me and i lose it it seems so, pretty standard batman fare so far it's just i feel like i'm going through a lot of similar locations as there were in arkham city not going into a lot of new buildings right off the bat you go into like uh, Penguin's museum that was somewhere yeah. in Arkham City, and it's just the same thing, except it's not broken. So I don't know. That's kind of lame. It feels like a bit of reuse of things. I mean, it's not a bad game, so it's not like I mind playing it. It's just not groundbreaking. Like I, I nearly crap myself at how awesome Arkham Asylum was when I first played it. Well, so um, I, I don't know if you're aware of all the. Uh, background work on this game but rocksteady is not not the developer this time around this is um is it w games montreal w wb games montreal um, i think that yeah. i think it's montreal that's doing this one and this is like their first big game aside from the wii u port of arkham city which i wouldn't really mm-hmm. qualify as a, a big anything right um but uh, I guess what my question is, and this is really more speculation than anything else. So Rocksteady is probably working on another Batman game right now. That's the most likely situation, probably a next gen Batman game of some kind. Uh, so my question is, do you think that this game is maybe less inspired because that original developer's gone and it's just somebody else doing their best impression of them? Or do you think that the formulas just run dry and there's just no other way to innovate at this point? I think it might have been like just partially. Maybe they just didn't have any ideas like, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? I don't know. Maybe we just fight the penguin again. Maybe we just do this again. But also the assets were there from Markham City. So now you can do anything you want in in Gotham, basically. And I'm sure they just said, well, we already got the city. So why do that that much work? You know, just start with the city and maybe just sort of half-ass the story and there are some new things or i I guess i should say some upgraded things for instance the detective mode is different now i mean it it still feels a little pointless in the sense that detective mode always felt like you're just looking for the only hot spot and scanning it and then it just tells you what to scan next see my 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 problem with detective mode especially in the first game is it felt like there was a number of reasons to really leave detective mode. Right, right. And, you know, the the my my big problem with, with detective mode is that like, you know, they created this big kind of beautiful game, and I'm not looking at the environments because everything's green the whole time. Oh, I see what it's, you're saying. Uh, you're talking about the like the actual full on in the mode in, in the stealth yeah. segments. It just made more sense to keep it turned on so that you could watch where the skeletons were going. 
uh, than it did to turn it off and look at the dark, grungy room that you were in. Well, what I'm talking, I'm not talking about the X-ray mode. Like I know it's, I know it's all called detective mode, but I'm not talking about like the actual vision mode. I'm talking about when you go into first person view and you investigate a crime. That's what they changed, right? And um, that was that was always the weakest part of the game, anyway, yeah. right? You're not, you're not really being a detective. You're you're scanning the only point on the area, and then it just tells you what to scan next, and you just keep doing it in order until it's done. And it's kind of the no, same. That's pretty much everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very realistic, but not very fun. And uh, they yeah. they try to mix it up a little bit, and I like the idea, but again, it's still it's still the linear scan this, scan that, and then. Usually it ends with a find this, which means you after you've scanned everything to figure out what happened in that area, you usually get something like, oh, this guy dropped a briefcase, but we don't know where it fell. I, I don't know how detective mode knows that he was carrying a briefcase. It's like almost magical at this point. And, and I suppose to add to how magical it is now, you are able to scrub through the entire timeline of the crime after you have scanned everything. Like just literally hit like a back and fast forward button and just scrub through the entire event's animation as you like. And you're supposed to usually just like find an item that maybe got lost and you can see its trail of where it's going. So, you know, you can scan to like maybe a guy got pushed off a roof. So you scan up till the point where he starts falling off the roof and then you track where his briefcase went and then that's where you'll find it. And of course you can't, it doesn't actually exist in that spot until you've scanned the trail for it. So you'll go back mm. and you'll be like, oh, it's it's there where I've already been and it wasn't there before. So detective mode still feels weird. So how how active are the streets? Because in Arkham City, like I feel like, I always felt like the plot to Arkham City was kind of contrived, like, oh, we need, we want to scale this out to a city, but we need an excuse for bad guys to be everywhere. And I'm not a big comic book nerd, so maybe, maybe Arkham City was like a legit, like, arc that happened in the comic at some point. Um, but it, the, the whole thing feels like it was just a plot that was manufactured as just framework to, to put a video game. And so now that they're actually putting you in Gotham uh, and not this uh, haven for criminals, I guess my first question, I have two questions. One is, are there normal people on the streets now? And then two is, uh, is it crowded? Like, is it, uh, you know, a, 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 a group full of people to beat up every few steps or is it pretty spread out now? See, this is where it feels like. Well, we had the assets, so we used whatever we had and didn't necessarily go the extra mile. There are no civilians and there are no cars. So the mm. every bit of the street is, the whole city is just dead. And the only life you see are the thugs who are on the streets. So it's so, very much like Arkham City. Even so though. they basically had the same exact problem that Arkham City had to address and the solution was to just do nothing. Right. The, all they really did was they, they made a city that wasn't like on fire and broken. So it's like an intact city. But aside from like, that, it's the same thing. Rocksteady has got to be kicking themselves. Just being like, God damn it. We should have thought of that. Just ignore it. Just don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I should stress. I mean, it's like a lot of the systems in that game are so polished, especially the combat. It's almost impossible to just flat out not be fun. But at the same time you got to recognize at some point that this is just, it's gone on too long and yeah, not we're not doing anything new. 
we're just getting to the point where on the third game, like the, the, the novelty of the formula starts to wear off and it's time for iterations to, um, you know, you don't want them to set in. You want it to be something that always feels fresh and new. And that's why Assassin's Creed has benefited so much from doing the time jumps, because even when they do something that doesn't work, they're able to just be like, OK, well, now it's pirates. So. <laughs> yeah. So hooray. And uh, I feel like Batman doesn't have that luxury. I'm, I would have much rather played like Ninja Batman, like Ninja training <laughs> Batman. Well, the only pirate Batman <laughs> pirate Batman would have been pretty good. The only spot you could say that they did all it. And maybe this is where they did all their work. Unfortunately, is in the new multiplayer mode. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sad to say that this is probably the focus of all their work because the single player just definitely feels same, very samey. And I didn't actually play the multiplayer yet. I'm not sure if I'm even going to because, uh, I don't know. I don't get along well with, with random strangers in shooting games. <laughs> but uh, it's it looks okay. I mean, you get to customize a character who is like a thug for one of the uh, main villains. So you can have like a, you can be like a Bane thug or a Joker thug. And there's actually a surprising amount of customization options for uh, changing how your character looks. And there's loadouts. And um, I guess from what I understand, it's like a three-way fight where you've got two thug groups fighting each other. But you've also got somebody, someone who's playing Batman who is interfering with everybody and is just trying to, like, fuck everybody's shit by just like dropping down like you know grabbing them pulling them up into the rafters when they least expect it and everything <laughs> that's kind of cool actually so, yeah the the hook of the multiplayer sounded pretty cool like i i'll probably pick up this this game at some point it's it's going towards the end of my list for right now uh but uh, the multiplayer does sound kind of neat um so i don't know if if you guys feel this way about it at all but would anybody else here like Rock Studies is probably working on a new Batman game. I think that's the most likely. They haven't announced anything, but that's that's most likely. I think what's probably going to happen. Would anybody else totally cream themselves if it was a Batman Beyond game? No, 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 no. I would not. No, I don't like that. I don't like Batman I, Beyond. I was like, is that the I, one set in the future? I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I love sure. Beyond. Yeah, I thought I thought Batman Beyond was pretty keen. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty keen game. I mean, I, I doubt it'll happen. The but cat's pajamas. As or, far or, as Saturday morning cartoons goes, Batman Beyond wasn't bad at all. But I don't know if I if I'm going with like any bat if I can choose my Batman mythos, I'm not choosing Batman Beyond. I would also accept. No one's uh, ever going to do a game about Stephanie Brown Batgirl, and that's what I. Oh, here we go. <laughs> my God. <laughs> But wait, this is, the Hall- this, is the, this is the Halloween episode, okay? You guys don't know anything about Stephanie Brown, Batgirl. She's one of the most recent Batgirls, right? And all of her, you know, her comic book run was really good because each week she would be fighting some kind of classic monster, like the werewolf or a vampire or something. It was a lot of fun. And tell me, tell me you wouldn't want to be like one of the Batmen, because there are a ton of them, fighting classic monsters, like the mummy i guess that would be pretty cool oh so that's that's what she did huh <clears throat> that's, what, that's what she did it would be huh. different. I'll, show, I'll show you some of the covers they're pretty mm. I mean, it was a lot of fun they found an excuse there was one episode where she uh one one book where she fought uh dracula but it wasn't like one dracula it was a bunch of draculas <laughs> and, uh, I, I actually think those are vampires nope they called them draculas so oh. is this like a universal tie-in then 
<laughs> was uh was not a universal tie-in but um it was like you know it was a good book it was like one guy found a way to bring dracula to life and it made one too many draculas so she had to go off and kill all the draculas <laughs> as you do <laughs> as you do i don't even really follow batman that closely so i don't my my batgirl knowledge is pretty low well, see it's not because i follow anything closely it's because uh I used to be huge on uh, comic books, but when I got back into them, um, everything was just too big and confusing and too much shit going on. So what I did is I found like all the little side stories and like the smaller arcs instead. So, you know, while Batman was doing whatever the fuck he was doing, dealing with bees and fighting giants and multiple worlds and all this, I just read the Batgirl comics where she fought Draculas and werewolves. Wait, did Batman fight bees? Okay, (laughs) so there's a DC plot line. Where the Amazons, you know, what that Wonder Woman is part of, attack Washington, D.C. by using bees. Oh, I would have thought they would have used books. No, they use bees. You get it? I never actually read it. It's like just famous because it's so kind of retarded. (laughs) So I I avoided all that shit. I went for like all smaller books that were easier to follow. Huh. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. That's like your that's like your line. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's, how you, that's how you know it's over. <laughs> there you have it. So Ladies know, and gentlemen, so back you know girl. the podcast is over. Back girl <laughs> I, I mean I just I don't I don't even know what to say to any of that. Um I've never thought of Batman fighting bees. I suppose <laughs> I suppose it's one of the more interesting things that Batman could fight it. Like when, once you've fought everything, like 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 a crocker rock or whatever. <laughs> Oh, the natural evolution is to just start working your way through the animal kingdom. Well, have you ever tried to punch a bee? It's like really hard. Yeah, it's fucking impossible to punch a bee. And when there's like 18 of them, that's right, 18 bees. 18 bees. That's enough. That's, Eight, enough. that's a lot of bees. That can take down uh, That can take down a, a greyhound for sure. Not a Like bee not more. the bus, but the dog. <laughs> 18 bees could cause, cause you a, a real tussle, a real... <laughs> A real downer of a day. That's nearly 20 bees. I was hoping I had a story about 18 bees, but I don't. Bees killed Batman's parents. You don't have a story about 18 bees? Oh my god, what if bees did kill Batman's parents? That'd be amazing. They're like, they just find out that they got stung by bees before they got shot, and that was what was actually going to kill them anyways. And so Batman brings a gun to the honey factory, but (laughs) he doesn't. (laughs) Wait a minute. Jared, do you need to know how honey is made? (laughs) Well, the bees... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they run a factory. I mean, well, come, don't laugh at me. There clearly is a honey factory. It's not like it's not like every bear shaped bottle of honey that you see was just packaged by old farmer Samuel down the street. <laughs> but it's made by bees in like an apiary. It's not like coming out of a machine. I'm not under the impression that there's some kind of factory run by bees <laughs> where they like milk themselves. I don't think that's how it works. They 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 regurgitate it so that they don't milk anything. Well, I <laughs> again, you need to understand bee physics because I don't think you're you're getting it. Uh, yeah, Jason knows a surprising amount about bees. I, I love bees. <laughs> no, I knew that bees. I knew that bees puked up honey. I just didn't know. Speaking speaking of bees and and speaking of Halloween, let's talk about the secret world. Wait, what? Okay, should we talk about that and then we'll call it good? Tell me. Tell I mean, me. I don't. I don't really have 
any lead in here, but you guys know the storyline to the secret world, right? Please tell me it's beer related. It is very beer related. So <laughs> you're you're some individual, right? And I guess you're you're like in your cheap little apartment and what and you're listening to the radio, some freaky shit's going on, and a bee flies into your bedroom. Uh and you accidentally swallow a bee and then you vomit fire and then you have superpowers. And that's your origin story. What does bees have to do with fire? Wait, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I understood any of that. Wouldn't it be like you you swallow fire ants or, or something? Is this one of those things where you explained it very poorly and so it's funny? Or is it really? Is that really like how it all works? This is really how it works out. So the secret world is this MMORPG that was supposed to be horror-based and, you know, deal with all these monsters. And you're a member of one of three secret societies, the Illuminati, the Templar, and some bullshit society they made up called the Dragon. And these three societies, their responsibility is to keep the dark things from creeping onto the real world. And, you know, the, they promised in all their press that there would be, like, these incredible monsters from all types of folklore. So, of course, all they fucking do is zombies and vampires the entire game. Well, and bees, <laughs> it sounds like. And bees. So how you get your powers is you are sleeping. You're in your bedroom. A bee flies into your bedroom. The bee flies into your mouth. And then you wake up and you spit fire. And then it's like just your first week. You now have these superpowers. Oh, and then and then I guess they added in some content to explain it, quote unquote, where you had a nightmare about bees. Uh, so these two gods come to you in this nightmare and then they make you swallow a bunch of bees after about a week of fucking around with your newfound bee powers uh the recruiter from the secret society comes to your house and it's like oh you swallowed a bee you have powers now come and join our secret society (laughs) what the fuck is this you know what it sounds like you're describing to me did you ever play tokyo jungle I never played Tokyo Jungle. Well, go look it up. It sounds like Tokyo Jungle. I I, I know, I know what Tokyo Jungle is, but I never played it. Let me, let me, uh, let me smack you guys down with some real uh, Halloween B recommendations. (laughs) Um, Buck Bumble. I know I've mentioned it before, Uh, but I just need to mention it again. Buck Bumble for the Nintendo sixty four. Download it. Play it today. Love it. It's so good. Yeah. Can you make money? You play a bee. Uh, I don't think you ever make honey. Stupid. I think you might. I think honeycombs might heal you. I'm not sure about that. I don't even really know if you can be healed. I don't even really know what you do in that game, to be honest. I just remember <laughs> flying around. You can fly right from the beginning. You don't have to earn it. It's not an upgrade. Well, it's yeah. just time. It's just time to fly. You're a bee. Incidentally, you first mentioned Buck Bumble in episode seven. It is also, I have to, it's very streaky. I'm really going to go fact check that. Um, let me let me also just mention with Buck Bumble, if you really want to just give me a, a treat, Jason, you could you could end our podcast with the Buck Bumble theme song instead of ours. Um, because I just have to tell you that it is incredible. It, it's is, a, it, is it the bee's knees? It's, a, it's the bee's knees. You'll especially like it because it's a nice hippity hop song. Um, <laughs> I was talking to Michael. That's not racist. Michael loves him some some hip hop music. Okay. Yeah, that's what he. I swear to God, if you are doing a stakeout and you're listening to the Buck Bumble song in your car, <laughs> there's nowhere to go from there. Like that's just the the that's a, a ceiling right there that you've hit. 
suddenly become obsessed with bees. Now we're talking about how Michael can listen to Buck Bumble <laughs> while I guess he eats Honey Nut Cheerios in, in a bee suit. <laughs> oh, so I, Honey Honey Nut Cheerios will be good about now. I think I, I'll do that after the podcast. All right. Well, let me uh, let me take a moment to say that if you enjoyed all the things that you heard today, uh, you should didn't. you should go you should go read some of those same things in a text format on enemyslime.com. And if that's not enough for you, you should go follow us on on Twitter or Facebook. If you if you'd like to have us cover one of your games, you can send us your game. If you'd like to tell us how much we suck, you can send us that too. There's so many things that you can do to interact with us, and, and all of it can be done by by visiting us uh, and by uh, writing us emails. You can write us emails. We have that now. You could be the first, I think, to write us an email that was pleasant. You can just send us a line at contact at enemyslime.com. Tell us whatever. Tell us how your grandma's doing. Tell us uh, tell us what your favorite scary game is. What do you like? Uh, tell us about Buck Bumble and how you played it. If you're an expert at bees, then you can send an email to Jared and explain to him how the bees work. I know that the bees don't have a factory. <laughs> at least not one they run, but I'm pretty sure they're in a factory. All right. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the Halloween special. We'll surely do it next year. We'll probably have another special on Christmas if that tickles everybody's fancy. And we are out. All right. There you go. There you have it. Bump to the base of the base, 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 base,